Warsaw. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. We begin this week's podcast with an apology. Uh, last week I told you that Val Whiteley, one of our guests from Miskin Manor Cricket Club, was the first woman to serve on the committee there. That's not the case. That accolade of first woman committee member belongs to Donna Holder, daughter of long-serving member at the club John Painter. My apologies to Donna for the mistake and any upset caused by it for her, her family and friends. This week's guest on the podcast is Sahail Ralph. In his day job, Sahail is a property services manager, but he's been involved in cricket in Cardiff since his childhood. He started playing for Cardiff Cricket Club as a junior before returning from college to play for the Welsh Asians Club. He got involved in cricket administration at a young age, becoming the secretary of the Glamorgan and Monmouthshire Cricket League at age 35. He was co-opted onto the Cricket Wales board to advise on diversity issues and currently still assists Glamorgan County Cricket Club by sitting on their Equality, Diversity and Inclusion board. He's secretary of the National Asian Cricket Council and their area rep for Wales. He is currently chair of Landaff Cricket Club. I met him at his offices in Cardiff to talk about all these things and more. Welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket podcast, Sir Hale. Thank you, Stephen. Um, it's lovely to have you. Uh, we're going to talk a, a, about a lot of issues and, and, and about Landaff Cricket Club perhaps in particular. But first, it'd be nice to hear a little bit about you. So do you want to tell us where you're born, where you're brought up? Yeah. Uh, my father came to the UK actually in 1962. Um, he moved to Cardiff after first uh, staying in St Albans for a bit. So he moved to Cardiff then and me and my brothers and sisters have all been born in Cardiff and grew up in Cardiff. I very much consider myself a Welsh Cardiff boy. Um, schooling was uh, in Gladstone School initially, then went to Lakeside and then to Cardiff High School. I then went to university at Middlesex University after finishing high school, stayed for uni for three years, then another three years working in London. And then I thought I'd had enough of London. I'd seen what I needed to see. Uh, came back home and have been in Cardiff ever since. And which part of Cardiff? Grew up in Cateys, then kind of moved towards the Kinkoid area and currently living in Pennyland, Kinkoid area as well. And growing up, was sport part of the family uh, life? Was, were you a sporting man from a young My age? father was into his cricket. He enjoyed playing cricket. And I guess the influence of cricket came from there. Being around him when he was playing his matches, I, I remember going to the matches in the evenings. Um, we'd be playing on the sidelines. We'd play on the streets. Penny Main Road was uh, one of the places we used to play cricket. Or we'd go to Heath Park back in, the, in them days. They had cricket facilities there. Or to Blackwear. We'd go Blackwear every Sunday. So our parents, who were all obviously friends and, and relatives, Every Sunday they would go to Blackbeer Fields and take us along. Um, so we grew up playing on, on Cardiff Park pitches. And you as a cricketer, what were you like as a um, cricketer? I, I wasn't too bad. I had a good youth career, I guess. I, you know, I played in school. Um, I was captain of the school, Lakeside first and then Cardiff High. Um, I was fortunate enough to play for the old South Glamorgan schools in the 19s. Um, I remember playing a match at Sapphire Gardens, which was home of Cardiff Cricket Club at the time. 
against a touring team from South Africa. So I was quite a handy cricketer at that age. Didn't get to pursue it, I guess, as, as I would want, perhaps because of the environment we lived in at the time. Parents didn't see cricket as an option. And what were you? What, what? Uh, I was a bowler and a batsman. I was an all-rounder. Um, but I was selected for South Lomogan schools as a batsman. I batted a number three. But predominantly after that, I, was, I became a bowler. Um, a medium-fast bowler, decent pace, could swing it out a lot. Um, so I'd missed the edge a lot. And uh, eventually then I went into my 30s and started to stop bowling and concentrate on my batting. And now I just bat for fun. University? Was there cricket at university? Did you get involved in that? In the first year of university, I didn't. I think I just went to London and started to enjoy myself a little bit too much. In the second year, I started to train with the university and then didn't quite pursue it as much as I could. Once I finished university, then I thought, no, I do want to play cricket. So I actually played uh, for Barnet Cricket Club in London and I was playing for a friendly team on the Sundays. So I spent a year and a half playing for them. Um, when you came back to Cardiff, how did your involvement in cricket develop? As a junior, I played uh, my cricket at Cardiff Cricket Club. Uh, when I came back, I uh, started to play with a club which was called at the time Welsh Asians Cricket Club. Um, so we're looking around the early 2000s, 2000, 2001, 2000, around that time. Um, they were called Welsh Asians Cricket Club. They used to play at uh, Landoff Cathedral School at that time. So I started to play with them. They played at a decent level. I had a few friends who used to play with them. And I've been involved with them ever since. I started enjoying my cricket and playing cricket, but I started to get into the administration side of things. One of the founding members of a Welsh Asians Cricket Club, Mr. Mohammed Rafan, he actually said to me, look, I think you should get involved with the league a little bit, become part of the committee, see how you go. I said, okay, fine. Um, so I actually became like a divisional rep initially in the old Welsh Club Cricket Conference. Do you want to tell us a little bit about perhaps the history of, of, of South Asian cricket in Cardiff as you understand it? Um, and maybe explain this... I don't know, sort of, it almost feels like a parallel development of, of, of South Asian cricketers and then the formal kind of league structures. And we're going to talk a little bit about whether that's true, whether that's, that's a, an image that's right. There's two stories to the South Asian cricket being played in Cardiff. So you've got the formal uh, weekend teams we play in, which was the old Morgano League back in the 80s. So there wasn't many teams playing in that league. Then you've got the Cardiff Midweek League, which is evening matches being played from Monday to Thursday, 20 or 18 overs, is 18 overs at the moment. If we look at the Midweek League, there was initially one club, it was called Albany Cricket Club. And back then, the Midweek League had five divisions of 10 plus teams. And I think there was only one Asian team initially, Albany. Then another one started, Roth, and you had the two West Indian teams, uh, Cardiff West Indians and Progressive Cricket Club. They were the clubs which had more ethnicity. So you had them four teams. You couldn't even call them clubs, right? You'd call them teams because they just had one team. Now in the midweek league, I believe there's something like 33 teams of which 17 or 18 are either Asian or yeah, or mostly Asian now. Um, so you've seen that change over the years. So if you go to the parks on a, on a, on a weekday, you'll see 
tremendous amount of Asian players playing cricket. Then on, on the other side, you've got the, the weekend teams that play in the, in the formal leagues. So there used to be uh, Lanwern Cricket Club, was based at the Steelworks in Newport. Uh, although it was based at the Steelworks in Newport, they predominantly had Asian players, and they were actually very good at the time. Um, I remember them winning the Morgano League, so beating your card of St. Fagans, Sully in them days. Lanwen Cricket Club was uh, run by a gentleman who was called Mohammed Arif. Sadly, we lost him a few years ago, and he had a great influence on South Asian cricket in South Wales. Um, in fact, there's a memorial tournament being held for him this Sunday at Poncana Fields, and it's held annually by his kids because while he was alive, he used to do a tournament every year, um, the Independence Cup. But he had a big influence on cricket in South Wales, and uh, we, we sadly miss him. So then from uh, Lanwen Cricket Club, another couple of cricket clubs started. So uh, Welsh Asians Cricket Club, which was at that time, I think, inception, it was called Al Fatah Cricket Club. It started as back in the late 80s, I think. And also Cardiff Jimkhana Cricket Club started as well. Cardiff Jimkhana Cricket Club was founded by two brothers, Masood Ahmed and Tamur Ahmed, who are now involved with Land of Cricket Club. But they did a lot of work back in the uh, 90s and 2000s and 2010s to keep Jimkhana going. So they started their weekend uh, cricket teams. So they've been going for all them years. And what's happened on the weekend teams is the Alfata became uh, Welsh Asians, which then became Central Cardiff, which has now become Land of Cricket Club. Cardiff Jimkhana stayed as Cardiff Jimkhana, but we, the two clubs merged about three, four years ago. So now Cardiff Jimkhana and the old Welsh Asians or Central Cardiff form Land of Cricket Club. But we've seen a massive number of teams increasing in uh, Asian players, um, sort of like you've got Sunny Spartans, you've got um, Potty Mr. Cross Keys, and you've got many Asian players playing within the traditional cricket clubs, Cardiff Cricket Club, Newport Cricket Club, you know, uh, St. Fagans Cricket Club. There's, there's Asian players now playing in, in, in almost every team. That sounds really exciting. Do you feel excited about that, the spread and the involvement of uh, South Asian cricketers in the leagues? Yeah. For me, uh, and I've kind of said this for a number of years now, as Asians, one of the things that we can do with to help integrate into what you would say into society is we can use the tools we've got and the things that we're good at. And we're good at cricket. So why don't we use that to help with integration, to help break down barriers, to to open new avenues for everyone? And it's wonderful to see 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 the players. And some of the standard of cricket that's being played is phenomenal. And now we just need to see this progress into something more than just a, a small number of people making it to the elite level. We know across the country from the statistics, 35% is the figure they're saying. South Asian background who played grassroots cricket and is translating to 2% at first class level. So that's the big thing that we need to change. And that's going to be a work in progress. It's going to take time. We've got it in our blood now. You can't take it out. It's, it's there. Mm. So it's about breaking down this image that it's, it is such an elite sport. It is for a select few only. Um, cricket is for everyone. And with the women and girls stuff now taking off as well, is showing that it is for everyone. And a more inclusive cricket environment, 
will create better players, will create a more harmony within the society as well. We might come back to that before we finish, but I wanted you to tell me a little bit more about the modern history, perhaps, of Landaff Cricket Club, how you've developed in recent years, and what you've done to kind of grow the club, and as you say, sort of spread the word of, of cricket amongst people in the area. Landaff Cricket Club, like I said to you, was, was two cricket clubs coming together, Central Cardiff and Cardiff Jim Connor Cricket Club. Um, over the last few years, um, Central Cardiff in particular had done a lot of work with junior cricket. They'd invested heavily in junior cricket. Um, they put a lot of effort into that. And the merger of the two clubs allowed us to pool our resources, to pool our coaches, to pool the volunteers, um, because any, anything will need volunteers. Um, so currently this year, we are running 16 teams as a club. Uh, and that's across all age groups, uh, both men and women. We've got four senior teams playing every Saturday. We have 209 teams, 211, 213, and under 15, and under 17. We have a women's league team, a women's festival team. We have a girls under 12 teams and a girl under 14 team. So that's the size of the club currently. Our biggest issue is facilities. We're competing against the likes of Cardiff Cricket Club, St. Fagans, Penturk, who have established clubs, who have been, who have clubhouses, who have been playing on a certain ground for in excess of 100 years, some of them. Um, so we're a new club in this game. And how do we get to that level? We need facilities. We've done all the work in the background to make our club into a size that you can't turn your eye away from it. You can't deny it. The council can no longer say, oh, it's only a small club. Over 200 fixtures I counted this year, just in, in four months. Uh, you've got, you know, in excess of 150 players. When we do junior training on a Friday, we have between 100 and 130 kids come every Friday. You know, we're providing something for kids. We're providing an outlet for them that is needed in today's society. So we're working with the council, we're working with Cricket Wales, uh, with the support of Cricket Wales, with the support of uh, Glamorgan to establish Lander Fields as a central ground for the club. Um, there used to be changing rooms there, they were taken down, nothing's been put there to replace them. You've got so you have no pavilion, no, no kind of club centre, a, a, a building that you can call your own? No. We currently use the old Bowls Pavilion and Lander Fields, which isn't even directly next to the cricket pitches, which we're using just as toilets, showers. But in terms of an actual pavilion, no. I wonder if you could say a little bit about how you've arrived here with with this um, organisation that feels like it exists with, with nothing to hold it together. How did, how did you manage to kind of spread the word? How did you manage to get so many people to gravitate towards the club? What were the things that you did? Firstly, I, I can't take all the credit myself. There, there's a few of us in the background who have worked over the years. There's a gentleman by um, the name of Mohamed Sadiq, Khaled Idris. They were running the junior teams. So part of the requirement of the leagues is you need to run junior teams. So we've changed our thinking where... It used to be that we were running the junior teams just to keep our position in the league. So there was a requirement that you ran two junior teams. So we would run the minimum two junior teams. 
Their thinking changed about five to ten years ago. Uh, a few of us sat down and said, look, we need to come up with a solution. We can't keep recruiting players just from outside, bringing players in. We need to develop our own. How can we do that? We need to concentrate on the youth. So the, the gentleman I've just referred to, uh, they used to be the coaches. Then another gentleman joined us as well, Tanvir Ahmed. He's been an instrumental part and is still a big part of the junior section. Um, him and myself became coaches as well. So at the moment we have 20 volunteers at the club who are doing all the coaching and coaching assistant roles. We concentrated on the youth. We decided no, until we put a structure in place for the kids to come through, we will forever be developing kids at say under 11, under 13, we'd lose them. Whether it's under 13, under 15, we'd lose them. So we were keen to put a structure in place where we have a first to fourth 11, and our fourth 11 is full of juniors. We've got three coaches and eight juniors playing in that. And actually last two weeks ago, we had one coach and 10 juniors. And juniors, I mean 14, 15, 16. So we were keen to put in somewhere where if we engage with a child, he stays within our club or she stays within the club, and we've got a progression route for that child. And that is what we've been trying to work towards for a number of years. And I think we finally got there. The missing piece of the jigsaw for us as a club now is to have our first playing in the highest level and that's going to be the final ambition and, and to put it all together along with a clubhouse would be kind of yeah okay we've achieved something have you got any successes i mean i know i perhaps kind of hesitate to ask you but names of players who've who've come through and are now kind of playing in the first team who were juniors at the club Mochai Lilias, who's one of the coaches at Glamorgan came through our junior section. Prem Sisodi played cricket with us as a junior when he was about 11 years old. We've got quite a few players who are playing Premiership cricket now. Um, so to be honest, I'd like them to be playing in our club. But when we're, we're playing Premier Division, then I can't deny them. Over the years, what we've, what we've become is a bit of a, a stepping stone for some of them. So they've come through feeder, our system. Like a feeder club. Yeah, so they've come through our system. And then it gets to a point where they say to me, you know, so we need, I want to play Premier Division. I can't say you can stay with us. No, fine. You go, you know, obviously we're sad to lose you, but I can understand that. I want to ask you about women's cricket and girls' cricket. It's, it's been a, a phenomenon, I guess, of recent years, the growth in involvement and participation. Do you want to say a little bit about how you as a club have, have, have kind of looked at that aspect of diversity and proved what you're doing? We'd made a decision earlier on that women's and girls' cricket is something we need to be involved in and also uh, support. Being from an Asian background, we understand the restrictions or the hesitation of parents sending kids, sending their daughters to certain environments. So, for example, would I feel comfortable to send my daughter to an environment where there were three male coaches there coaching all the women and girls. I probably wouldn't. So we made a decision early to look within our club, speak to dads, ask them if their wives wanted to get involved with coaching. Fortunately, we had two volunteers come forward and it was a bit of a game changer for us. Number one, we wanted to we were targeting two to go on a coaching course. 
Because to send one female on a coaching course on her own in a predominantly white male environment is not going to be an easy thing to convince them to do. So we were looking to find two mums of kids who played cricket and ask them to go on a course together. At least they'd have each other as support. Uh, we were lucky enough to find two, two mums who were wives of players, but now it got to the point where the kids were playing cricket. So they funnily enough didn't even have that much interest previously when their husbands were playing. But now when the kids are playing, the interest level has kind of changed. So we convinced two of them to go on the course. They did a level two course. Are we, are we allowed to say who they are, their names? The I'm happy to say names. their names, yeah. Um, so the, the, the two women who uh, actually started the course, one was my wife, Aisha Rov, and another one was Tanvi Ahmed's wife, uh, Alia Rahman. And funny enough, when me and, me and Tanvi played cricket throughout our lives together, they would never come to watch. You know, I can't remember a day when they came to watch because they were like, no, we're not coming to watch. It's all men there. It's not, there's no families there. We're not going to come. So they went on the course together. They've now really taken the baton and ran with it and really pushed it. So us coaches at the club have stood back and said, right, you women lead it. What we will do is support you. So if you need facilities, we'll, we'll, we'll arrange that for you. If you need equipment, we'll arrange that for you. If you need help with coaching, we'll advise you. If you want us to come in and do a session with you, as long as you guys are there, we're happy to do that. So that was the main thing, that we support them in the background, let them lead it. So these two women have really changed the game for, for the club and made the environment in which someone's going to send their daughter to a more welcoming female friendly environment we now have five female coaches all from a south asian background so when i hear people say that oh it's hard to break down the barriers i, I don't believe it i don't think it's hard i think you need to find a route through and i think a lesson can be learned for all clubs and i've been i have been camp uh, championing this for a while all clubs should go out there within their club and find two mums who will do a coaching course. You had a very big event in June, am I right in saying that, um, uh, uh, where you encouraged a lot of the local, uh, I don't know, specifically girls, but but kind of um, youngsters to come along and play. So we recently held a, a ladies' league festival at Landov Cricket Club. Uh, it was on a Sunday, so the ladies play in a league where all six teams come to one ground and play all the matches throughout the day. And we were fortunate enough on the same day we were playing our Welsh Cup under 13 game against Cardiff Cricket Club. So we had the under 13s girls playing a hardball game. Then we had two pitches where we were playing the ladies festivals. There was one game at 11 o'clock on both pitches, one at one o'clock, one at three o'clock. So there were games being played there and we also had the festival going on, for the, the match for the girls going on. So it was a nice day where you'd come to Land of Fields and you would see all these women playing cricket. Um, a lot of them, it was the first time they'd been to Land of Fields, especially teams from outside of Cardiff. Um, so we tried to put on a good event for them. We tried to make it welcoming. 
obviously without a pavilion it does make things very difficult we do have uh, one female toilet but when you've got 60 70 80 women there you do need more than that and and this is what we need now and this is what we're trying to achieve and and, and that's hopefully where the route we're going to go down there was a lovely bit of feedback on your Twitter feed that a gentleman, oh, I don't know whether he has any connections with the club, but had just come to the fields that day, um, was overwhelmed with the sort of the amount of people that were there, uh, and I think he ended up having some samosa from somebody, yeah. uh, which he mentioned in his tweets. We we um, arranged some samosas for the day because we thought we wanted to provide something for the players who'd come, um, so we spoke to a local company who make samosas we we served them on the day um, we gave them out to we sold some to the teams we gave some out to the volunteers you know especially some of the coaches who'd come down as well so they're all very grateful and i guess it adds a bit of that asian flavor right you go to an asian team you don't want to have cheese sandwiches let's be honest you go there you think you're gonna have something nice something different and that was our aim on the day um it was a good success we could have many more of them if we had the facilities we're hesitant to call that many people down if we can't provide them with some basic amenities. And, and that's, that's where we need to go. The gentleman who actually made the comments on Twitter, he's one of the local uh, people who live local. He's always walking around with his dog, takes his dog for a walk. And I think he was overwhelmed to see so many women all of a sudden playing cricket on Lander Fields. Um, it hasn't happened for years. Remember years ago on the park pitches, they had female pitches. So Blackwear had a female pitch. And I'm sure Landeff had a female pitch as well, which was the AstroTurf. So years ago, they had female pitches, and specifically for females. So we've gone from that, to not having anything, to now bringing that back to life. And I think that's what inclusivity looks like. That's what diversity looks like. And that's what Cardiff should show as, it, as, as its showpiece. From the girls who have played hardball in the junior teams, we have one girl who's made it to the Wales under 13, uh, Halima Rahman. So she's in the Wales under 13 squad. Beneath the Wales under 13 squad, you've got the under 12 development squad, they've called it. So they're preparing the girls for the under 13. There's three girls who are in the pathway for the under-12 development squad. One of them is Hafsa Ahmed, another one is Ramisha Ichaz, and the third one is Aliza Khan. We then have three girls in the Pathway East program. So they're in the South Wales Pathway East under-12 program. So they're a little bit younger again, so they're getting them ready to go onto that path as well. So we've got seven girls into the kind of county national setup now which for a small club to do within two years is, is, is pretty impressive and you know hats off to all the coaches at the club the amount of work they do um, what has happened as well with the women involvement and the girl involvement is that the club has changed its demographic of people coming to the games it's changed the the way it looks when it arrives, when it goes to matches. We've now created what I would say a family environment, whereas predominantly before it was an all-male environment. You would never get families coming to watch. Um, whereas you come now and it's it's full of families, it's full of 
mums, dads, brothers, sisters. We train on Friday down, down Landoff, and please feel free to come any Friday. We're there 6 till 7.30, and you will see a sea of yellow. So what we've done as a club, we've gone for colour clothing. We've gone for grey and yellow. No one's got grey and yellow. Everyone's gone for blue and black, boring, or, or maroon. That's it. So you can see yellow from the car park. As soon as you pull up, you will see see yellow hoodies or yellow caps. Um, and, and, and it's a really nice environment at the club. We didn't want to be a segregated club. It's, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. It's about what does modern Britain look like to me and to others at the club. And it's an all-inclusive environment. We're fortunate that we are not just all Asians at the club. We have British nationals, Welsh nationals playing for us now. We have, you know, local boys that we would never think we would attract. Local girls we'd never think we'd attract. But we're attracting them now. We've gone from being a club that's providing participation to now a club that will provide participation and excellence. At the bottom end, the, the, the coal face, let's we call it, everything sounds fantastic. You've spent 20 or more years of your life trying to talk to other people about how to make success and, and, and to increase inclusivity and diversity. Do you want to sketch out what you've done and what, you know, kind of where you've been on your administrative kind of career and, and just say a little bit about maybe what it's been like either to listen to others talk or to try and put your own point of view forward? So my first uh, committee meeting for the Weekend Cricket League was at Chrissy Kilio Cricket Club. So I'd been uh, nominated as a divisional rep for the, for, for, for the division we played in. I must have been 26, 27 at the time. Um, so we meet in the main bar area. I look around and I'm thinking, okay, I see who's going into this meeting. So we walk into the meeting and there was uh, the gentleman at the time who was the secretary was Mr. John Owen, God rest his soul. He, he passed away a number of years ago. Um, and he walked into the meeting and I was walking behind him. And because of his age, he was only able to put one foot in front of the other and walk. So I'm this 20-something year old like boy, like full of life, walking behind this guy who's walking one step at a time. I'm thinking, okay, what am I getting myself into? So we sat down in the room, look around the room. Firstly, one of the things I noticed, obviously I was the only Asian. Secondly, I was the only one who was young. Uh, I was the only one who had, who didn't have white hair, and there weren't definitely no females, you know. So I look around and I think, okay, I'm surrounded by these guys who are ready to retire, or they retired, they all retired, and you know they they were very welcoming, and and I and I got to be honest, it was a strange environment for me to go into, but I'm the type of person who likes these type of challenges. And within a few meetings, I found my voice. Obviously, initially, you're a bit shy. You, you don't know what to say, when to say it. Um, but I soon learned that when you're on a certain topic, if you've got some point to raise about it, say it. Don't leave the meeting and then say, oh, I wish I'd said this, I wish I'd said this. No. If, if the topic is finance and there's, there's a, fi- a finance issue, say that. Don't, don't hesitate. So that was my initial journey into administration as a divisional rep. Then over the period I began to get more confident in my role, began to 
believe that I can, I can, I can do the role of a committee member of a league. Um, and I eventually became the secretary of the league. So I was actually secretary of the Southeast Wales Cricket League for about five, six years. I gave that up about three years ago, just because the club was demanding so much of my time. And I felt I couldn't give it the justice and the time that it needed. So I did kind of step away from that. But I've kept involved with certain, certain um, organisations. Glamorgan and Cricket Wales have all, always seen me as a bit of a consultant advisor who sits on the outside, who's involved with grassroots cricket within Cardiff um, and within the leagues. And they can come to me or ask me for um, opinions on stuff. And I'm quite happy to tell them because at the end of the day, they don't pay my wage. I'm involved with the Glamorgan EDI board currently and I have been for about a year and a half, two years. Previous to that, I was involved with the Cricket Wales uh, EDI group, which actually started about 2016, I think it was. So Cricket Wales started that before Glamorgan and Glamorgan is now following what Cricket Wales have done and the steps Cricket Wales took. I think Cricket Wales identified it quite early. It was under the leadership of Peter Ibot. Um, now we've got Alicia Hawkins who's taking it a step further um, she's putting even more emphasis on, on this side of stuff um, so it's going in the right direction at Cricket Wales at Glamorgan it's going in the right direction but it's going to take time and I think I think this is one thing the community the wider community needs to realise that it's going to take time to bring about the changes to bring about the diverse levels across all, 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 all teams and then to see that filtering through to the first team. Because currently right now, if you look at the first team of Glamorgan, it's still predominantly white people playing it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no ifs or buts about it. You can't hide from that fact. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing Glamorgan taking steps to identify new talent. Glamorgan taking steps to then nurture that talent. Um, I've seen recently one of the players who played for Saka has been selected for Glamorgan Seconds. Glamorgan and Cricket Wales have identified local Asian coaches who they've now brought on board. So they recently signed uh, Ali Bukhari as a fast bowling coach. I mean, Ali is known to all the people in Cardiff. He played for Middlesex, he played for Derbyshire, played first class cricket in Pakistan. He has his own cricket centre in, in Cardiff, indoor net facilities. He's, he's a well-respected player, a very nice gentleman. So... Glamorgan have identified him as one of the people they need to be, bring on board, which they've done. Mujahid Elias has been a very good appointment for Cricket Wales. Mm. Some of the work he's done is in his diversity role has been brilliant. The other day there were there was a team from the PSL, Peshawar Zalmi, doing trials across the country to identify UK talent, which sounds good, but I was thinking to myself, this is bad news. We've got teams coming from outside of the UK to the UK to find talent to take it away well, our county boards must be going nuts they, they, they should be thinking to themselves like what the hell is going on if people are coming from outside clubs are coming from outside of the UK to find talent in the UK to then take that talent away this talent we're missing this talent we're missing what would your advice be to let's say you know clubs are predominantly white but would like to, to have you know, kind of um, people from the local ethnic communities involved in their club. How do they begin that process, reach out, if it's not happening already? I, th- 
I've, um, one of my roles is I'm Secretary of the National Asian Cricket Council. So the National Asian Cricket Council is an advisory body to the ECB on South Asian matters. So what's been happening in the past is people at the top have been thinking, mm, how can we engage South Asians? And then they've come up with a plan and then they realised their plan didn't work because they did no research into that before they started. They didn't ask from within that community, how can we help you? So one of the reasons the National Asian Cricket Council was set up was to advise the ECB on, on these matters. Um, so there's a gentleman who's the chairman, uh, Mr. Gulfraz Riaz, who lives in London, and he went around the country scouting people who were involved, who were Asian and involved in cricket at local level. And he toured the whole country, went and identified them, put them all in a room, and formed the National Asian Cricket Council. So I'm the one, I'm the secretary of the National Asian Cricket Council, but my role is I'm the South Wales uh, representative. Unless clubs reach out and ask for that advice, they're just going to keep doing things wrong. And it's, again, it's not one size fits all. What people need to realise, we can call it the South Asian community, but within the South Asian community, there's many different communities within that. You can break it down by country, so you've got Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, India, Afghanistan, one way. But then, well, even once you've broken it down into countries, you can then break it down into regions of them countries, areas of them countries. So it's very different for each community. The Sri Lanka community may take something different to the Indian community, who may take something different from the Pakistani community to get them all engaged. Um, clubs should reach out. Uh, how can they do that? I think clubs should go out there, identify people who play cricket locally. Schools is always a good one. Break into schools. No state school is playing cricket. Someone's got to pick up that piece. There's midweek leagues being played across the UK, and I think clubs should really look at them. You mentioned some time ago that cricket is in the blood for you. There is a lovely story about one of your sons... Um, who you named after a famous cricketer. Do you want to tell us a little bit about why you did that and, and talk about that cricketer and what he means to you? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a youngster, I, I grew up watching cricket. Um, you know, one of my heroes was Imran Khan. I thought he was a great cricketer. He won the World Cup for Pakistan at the time in '92. He's then gone into politics. He built a hospital, a charity hospital. So he's always been an, a bit of an inspirational figure. And uh, funny enough, I met him, I think I must have been about 13. He came to Cardiff to sign a book he'd released. And there was a bookshop called Lear's Bookshop in town on St. Mary Street. And he came there for a signing. And I still got the photo of me and my friend standing next to him while he, while, while he signed our book. Um, so Imran was a name that always kind of I, I liked. Um, to the point where my younger brother, his middle name is actually Imran as well. Um, so then when I had my second son, um, we chose Imran as a name, and uh, that's the name we've gone with. And your wife was very happy with that? My too. wife was on board as well, so, you know, obviously she was on board, that's why it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Hale, it's been lovely chatting to you, um, and thank you for telling us about uh, all the work that you've done also that the club and the many volunteers at Landaf Cricket Club have done. I can only hope that things go 
from better to even better for you and you get those facilities that you really need to sort of kick on as a club. Brilliant. Um, Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Many thanks to Sahail for sharing his cricketing story with us. Next week on the podcast, with Neath Cricket Club hosting two of Glamorgan's Royal London Cup limited overs matches, we hope to bring you a brief history of Glamorgan cricket at the Knoll, so please do join us again for some more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. Bye-bye. Story you would have Nigadani. Macrosic Gisilti. A bossuch MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail dot com. Nate, Elchintidal in Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Nay, Intidal in Twitter at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.